Hello, friends, and welcome to your Monday edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. Good news, bad news, bad news, England are out of the World Cup. Good news, Ipswich Town are top of the league. They've just done something they haven't done for 10 years in beating Peterborough in a league game, and they're top of the table. Just the two kings today, myself, Mark Heath, your host, and let's be honest, the best king. Certainly the most popular king in terms of social media following, as he always keeps reminding us. That's not true. He's very modest about things like that. Wearing a hat in his own house, Stuart the Dr. Watson, clearly cold at leafy, sprawling Watson Towers, Stewie. Unlike you, I can't afford to uh, to have the heating on 24-7. You've just told me you're going all out, having it on all the time. Yeah. Um, Penny's a bit tighter here. I'm giving it the odd blast here and there, but um, yeah, cold one today. Is that like a weakness for you in, in the winter, obviously not having the... Uh the insulation on, on the on the roof as it were yeah was it 70 percent of body heat is coming out coming out here isn't it out of the bonds which is um not well insulated so yeah hats on today lots of exciting things to talk about today Stu. obviously a big win at the weekend and, and town being top of the table i thought we'd better start though by reflecting on england's failure latest failure in a in a, in a world cup competition um they're actually show. I was at a fight show on Saturday, commentating, and they actually showed it on a, a big screen in the uh, in the in the uh, arena, as it were. Um, so we had we had fight video, live fight pictures there, and the England game here. And I would say probably a good ninety percent of the auditorium were, were watching the England game, uh, and and that provided quite interesting narrative for cheers and stuff, which wasn't at all related to what was going on in the cage. So I had to keep explaining. England have just got a penalty. Uh, you're going to hear a cheer in a minute if they score, and Julie, they did score. So I was kind of consuming it in a weird way. Um, I assume you watched it. What did you make of it? Really enjoyed it. it I thought it lived up to what we hoped it would be, to two top international sides going toe-to-toe. And ultimately, I was, I was really proud with the way England played. I thought um couldn't have done a lot more. Um, I thought they were the better team over the piece. Um and um, yeah, I don't think there's any need for any great inquest. I've seen people talking about, oh, you know, root and branch review and all that sort of stuff we get after England go out of major tournaments. Um, if Kane puts the second penalty away, then who knows what's what goes on and what happens in that in that game. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they played really well. You could go through that whole team. I don't think anyone was below a seven out of ten. I thought you know they they went for it. I thought it was a good balanced performance um wasn't to be on the day um it, it annoys me a little bit now that there's this sort of view that we have to sort of pick everything to uh to pieces and, and where did it go wrong um england got to the quarterfinals and they they arguably outplayed the world champions and um fine margins meant they went out which in some ways makes it harder to stomach you know i did when we talked about the euro final against italy there were uh, you know I thought Italy were the, were the better team and deserved to win that. But when when you think you've been the better team and you, and you still lose by fine margins, that that made it more more disappointing. But um, yeah, I think we can be proud of the way England played over the whole tournament. It's this strange thing, isn't it? In uh, particularly in football and in England football, especially where we lose a big game and instantly everything's wrong and things have to be picked apart. But as you say, they've just they've just played the world champions who are a really really good t- side. And you're not going to win every single game like that. Um, small margins. All this talk of Southgate going is nonsense for me. I don't know how you feel about it. But in terms of what he's actually achieved in major tournaments, he's England's most successful manager for 
ages. What since sixty six? Yeah, you now hear this. Oh, we we haven't beat any big teams. That's now the sort of latest stick to beat them. A, I think we're very quick as a nation to dim- dismiss the wins against Senegal three 0 Oh, we should be mm. beating them. They're, they're African champions. Morocco mm. have just got to the semi-finals. You see some of the results that have been going on in this tournament with what Japan and South Korea, and I think the general level of international football across the board is improving. Mm. You have inquests after England failed to qualify for a tournament, as they did in 2008, after they failed to beat Algeria, after you know the various things that we've had with England over the years. Mm. This is not an inquest moment for, for England. This is, look at the age and the, the, the exciting football that they're playing. Um, people will go, Southgate's too boring. He doesn't get enough out of the players. He's Southgate gets more out. These are players that have sort of, Playing for England is like a salvation for them. Maguire is, you know, getting pilloried for what he does for his club and he comes for England and he, he raises his level. And you could go through so many players like that. Pickford, I think so many of those players feel now like they probably prefer pulling on the England shirt than they do their club shirt at times, which in the past it was all about sort of club cliques and England was a bit of an unwanted distraction and their heart was really in winning things for, for their club. And we don't have that for England now. And... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll defend Southgate to the hilt. I think he's um, a bit like McKenna. He's this calm, collected, cerebral manager that I think is is fit for the modern game. And uh, um, yeah, I, I hope that he sort of stays stays on and uh, continues the progress that he's, he's made with these mm. with these young players. Yeah, I mean, clearly, if he decided he doesn't want to do it anymore, maybe he wants to go back into club management. That's his call. But in terms of any thoughts of getting rid of him, I think that's absolute nonsense. What is it? World Cup semi-final, Euros final, World Cup quarter-final, lose to the world champions. That is almost unprecedented success in terms of England, definitely in my lifetime, uh, and really since um, since the the World Cup win. Um, mm. I love. You wanted them to lose anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the elephant in the room. Yeah, I, I'm not. I've got to say, I'm not massively bothered that we're out. Um, my thoughts on this World Cup are well documented. I won't. I won't go into it now. Um, but I get that. that. I get that. I didn't really understand <laughs> the two texts before both the Senegal and France game saying, come on, Senegal, come on, France. I want England to go out. Yeah, um, I'm I'm pleased that we're, we're not involved. I don't. Yeah. It, the whole thing for me is a disgusting disgrace. And I don't want to get too too far into it. But merely saying people going, oh, the football's been good, though. Like, But why does that equate to wanting England to lose? Just because I'm backing the tournament. I'm just not not I don't want to have to pay any attention to it. Okay. So the literally the only games that I've watched are England games. They're the only things that I've seen, and, and now I don't have to pay any attention to the seedy little thing that's going on out there. Mm. Um, so yeah, but there's always Euros, isn't there, Stu? And uh, is it North Korea 2026? Is that the next one? Is that the uh, the World Cup next? That's that's where it should, that's where it should be. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's what that's what makes it disappointing when people talk <laughs> about would you have taken an Ipswich win over an England win and and stuff at the weekend, and we'll come on to Ipswich going top, which is great. Mm. Um, I'd have taken an England win if if you had to sort of pick one or two because it's four years now to the next one to the next World Cup or at least a couple of years to the Euros and um, yeah I thought they were in a really good place you look at you know with the greatest respect to what Morocco have done you're looking at that and you're thinking I, you, know, you looked at that and you thought that's probably the final that we, we, we could have had and should have had probably England v France and it's come a couple of rounds too early but um that's the way it is, and and you look at Bellingham and Saka and Foden, and the list goes on. I think hopefully the uh, the future's bright for, for England. 
I've got to say, I was really impressed with Jude Bellingham out of all the England players. And but did you see that clip of him running up to Harry Kane after he missed yeah. the penalty? What is he, 19 years old, the yeah, lad? Amazing. And he's showing, he's showing composure like that. I also love listening to phone-ins after England games when they've lost. Because last night there was an absolute corker, Radio 5 Live. Someone rang in and said, um, Southgate's got to go because he keeps making big mistakes. He should not have let Harry Kane take the second penalty. <laughs> after he scored, you know, he scored, he's already scored a penalty in the same game. No, don't let him take it. Obviously, he was going to miss it. Um, it's just a it... desperation to, to pin things on people. There's yeah. always got to be a scapegoat. And... And I think people felt a bit confused because England played well. There were no major mistakes. There was no obvious scapegoat jumping off the page. The team was what 99.9% of people would have picked. They couldn't be, oh, why didn't Grealish start? Or, you know, the, the whole Foden thing had been put to bed with him starting. So uh, people wanted to lash out and blame something and someone, but I don't really feel like there was anything obvious. And sometimes you just have to go... We didn't win. It was that's mm. just just how it was. There doesn't always have to be someone to blame. So that's what um, happens, isn't it? High level sport, two high level teams. Someone's got to lose, unfortunately. And yeah, that's that's just what happens. So there you go. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, England are out, Stewie. Um, but Ipswich, meanwhile, are top of the table. They beat Peterborough two one on Saturday at home. Very very cold, Portman Road. Something they've not done for ten years in the league, which is remarkable. Um, another game where they've beaten a promotion rival. Peterborough now sliding four, four losses in a row in the league. And they're top of the table, Stu. How good is that? We're, we're, what are we, two weeks away from Christmas in the kind of midway point of the season and town are top of the table. And not only that, they've got a huge gap now down to seventh place, haven't they? Um, I know we're not interested in top six. It's all about top two. But even mm. so, fantastic. Yeah, for a club that has not finished in the top six, for three consecutive seasons in League One to be 14 points clear, mm -hmm. I think it is now, is it? Um, from seventh, 13, 14, I have to double check that while we talk. Um, that is that is a very, very healthy margin. Of course, you know, the target is top two. Um, so yeah, in, in the circumstances, I think off the back of some frustrating home results against Lincoln, Cheltenham, Fleetwood, Peterborough being out of form, um, bit of pressure going into this game and you felt it around the ground a little bit. I don't know whether it's because the, the the weather was so cold, whether it was an early kickoff and people were still sort of getting themselves going uh, or just a general bit of nerves and, and tension around the ground, knowing that this was a big game and, and Ipswich had let some points slip. But it was, it was a little bit subdued around um, Portman Road on Saturday. First 15, 20 minutes was the game. We didn't help with that as well. Absolutely nothing happened up until Ipswich um, got got the breakthrough. And then, understandably, um, once Ipswich restored the lead at 2-1, the, the sort of the final 10, 15 minutes and stoppage time of this match was a bit squeaky bum time as well. But um, so so all things considered for Ipswich to, uh, to come through this game and, and get three points, I think, was a, a major psychological boost. Before we start to break it down, Stu, I've got to check. HR have made me check now. Uh, can we just make sure there are no naked flames near you in uh, in Watson Towers? There's no, no potential fire hazards because obviously financially, any injuries to you, that's a big payout. You're quite important. So uh, well, you're okay? where there's blame, there's a claim. But yeah, there's uh, <laughs> no naked flames today. Excellent. What was flames, Stu? There's a performance on the pitch. <laughs> uh, right, then let's start. Team lineup, Stewie. Before the yep. game, there was really only kind of looking at it, kind of picking itself the team in terms of injuries and people out, and and there's really only conversation around. Well, would it be Edwards or Jackson uh, on that in that left? And as it turned out, Ed, well, Jackson 
started up top, and a certain Shawnee Aluko, who we'd been told is back in training and would play some sort of part, we assumed from the bench, given his, his knee injury, he started and played mm. almost played almost 80 minutes. So uh, yeah. should, we, should we kick off there? Yeah, uh, uh, I thought I thought it would be Jackson over Edwards, who I thought um, as bright as he's been this season, and it's been great to see him sort of back and enjoying his football again. I thought he faded as the game against Fleetwood went on, and we forget how little starts he's had. So I thought with that in mind, he might revert to being the impact sub and Jackson would start. But it never once crossed my mind that Shawnee Aluko would go straight into the starting eleven. Um, we were sitting in the in the the working area of the press room before the game and various sort of uh, journalists and media people were sort of filtering in and, oh, what's the team news? And you, every time somebody was informed that Aluko starts, there was a, wow, really? You know, that that was the, the reaction. I don't think anyone would have predicted he started. Um, but start he did. Um, and it was fully justified because... Um, he looked really sharp. He didn't look like someone who'd been out since the end of August with a with a pretty serious knee injury. We were always told it was kind of going to be in and around the Christmas period that he'd be back. The assumption was sort of on the grass and starting to work his way back. So for him to be starting a game um, by the early stages of December was was a, a major boost, and his performance um, his performance was a reminder of the the qualities that they've missed. Yeah. Uh, it's that TV 12 program, obviously, Stuart, the avocado ice cream. We've got mm. Aluko back early. We've got Lee back early. So just maybe a little bit about Aluko and, and what kind of he brings that town have missed. We've, we've talked about how much they've missed him. But for you, what what, what does Sean Aluko bring to this side and, and why is he so important? Well, I think the first thing that leaps off the page and that people will talk about with Shawnee Aluko is his con- his control in terms of literally the way he can control the ball in tight spots. He'll receive it. When he's marked, he can wriggle his way out of, of a tight space, but also in the way he can control the game. I think he can slow the tempo, he can raise the tempo, he can choose when to keep it, when to try and play forwards. Um, just his his overall experience in, in that side of things. Um, had some not his, his classic little moments where he sort of danced his way along the byline at one point and, and uh, set, set up a, a chance. Um, him and Jackson combined is quite interesting. I think Shawnee can play a, a really good sort of through through the eye of the needle through pass, and and that can get sort of Jackson's pace running off off the shoulder. That was clearly part of the game plan. Um, but one thing I think that probably gets underestimated with Shawnee Aluko is how well he he can kind of press off the ball and how work, how hard he works off the ball as well, and how clever he is with that. So um, he brought all of those qualities back to the table from from minute one at the weekend, really. Mm. The plan, as McKenna said afterwards, was to sort of give him 45 minutes and take him off at half-time. But they felt he was playing so well and, and the feedback from him was, no, I, f- I feel good. Physically, I feel good. I want I want to carry on. And in the end, he, he lasted to sort of 77, 78 minutes before coming off. So um, that well, that was a, a major a major plus point from the game, no doubt about it. Because yeah. Ipswich are short in that area with, with Harness out until the new year. Um, Tyrese John Jules out for, uh, you know, until well into the new year. Um, he gives he gives them an, another option in those sort of dual number 10 positions. Okay. Um, and he looked like the same old Shawnee, did he? Because clearly a knee injury, it was quite a serious knee injury and yeah. knees are not something you want to be struggling with in football with all the, the turning and changing of direction. But he looked, he looked back to his old self, would you say? He did, yeah. I, I've not seen a player come back from 
that length of injury, what, three and a half months and mm. hit the ground running um, as well as he had done. I mean, we talked about the sort of the Newport game and Aluko looking well out of sorts and, and off the pace when he just signed and people writing him off far too prematurely. And we've always used that as a reference point when people come back from injuries or sign not to not to read too much into it. So I was expecting a bit of ring rust and a bit of, um, you, you know, not just not being f- fully sharp, but Honestly, he looked, you know, he, he didn't look any different to any of the other players. He looked straight straight back to how we uh, remembered him pre-injury. So That's that was great. I don't know if it was a bit of adrenaline that sort of carries him through the first game. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how he's feeling. I'm sure sort of a, a day or two on, there might be a few aches and pains. He's 33 years of age, of course, as well. So the body takes that little bit longer to start sort of healing after these games. But... Um, yeah, great, great to have him back, and um, just you know, it's another, it's another body back as well, more than anything, because the squad was starting to look a little bit stretched. So that was a major boost. He played interestingly, sort of a left footer playing on the sort of the right side of the inside forwards. And um, McKenna said he's always wanted to have a look at sort of Connor Chaplin on the left side. Normally, he plays on on the right to give him some sort of fresh attacking angles. He talked about and different ways to do things. Um, so that was quite interesting to see those two that way round. McKenna quite often likes sort of inverted players in in those roles, and and that that generally that generally worked quite well. So yeah, great to see Shawnee back. Who would write a proven veteran like Shawnee Luco off? I mean, who, who would, for example, put in bottom of the the summer signings from last summer of all nineteen? Who would put in bottom and say pointless signing? Uh, oh, that was me. What a shame. Um, moving on, Stu. Connor Chaplin. We know he said before he's a purple patch scorer. And and so it proves he's now up to double figures. A couple of cracking goals, by the way. Lovely goals. Um, I guess we should we should uh, pause for a little Connor Chaplin appreciation. I, I know also a note in your Stu says you got to use 10cc, which is one of your uh, one of your favourite little subheads. Yeah, I think I used that last year when he got to 10 as well. <laughs> yeah, you didn't did. I dust, you did. dust that one off. Use it again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Connor Chaplin moves on to 10 goals for the season before the halfway point. Not bad for someone who doesn't play as an out-and-out striker. He has got this unbelievable knack of finding himself unmarked right in the heart of the penalty box. The amount of times you see a corner go straight to his... They can pass a corner to his feet in the box or land a corner at his feet mm. in the box and he he somehow stays unmarked. He, he lifted one over the bar from, from that sort of corner scenario that I spoke about, but he just pops up in these great little positions and he's that we could talk about him being a bit of a sniper with his finishing um one touch out of his feet that first touch never to be underestimated that sort of gets it out of his feet and works the chance works the half yard and then uh generally pretty clinical when when that opportunity comes i thought his header was was brilliant um it was morsey clip mm. cross um that's a difficult difficult header because he had to put something on it because he didn't have bags of pace, but not not too much as well. Um, I, hear, I always remember Tim Cahill. Um, people know I'm, I'm an Everton fan, and uh, Tim Cahill, who was a very good header of the ball, not 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 massive either, like Connor mm. Chaplin. But he talked about um, mentally saying "Good morning" to the ball when the ball come, just like "Good morning," just <laughs> just like a little polite enough, but not not really trying to sort of put too much neck on it. And that, and that was a good morning header. That was uh, just helped it on its way. Morning, just helped it on its way and uh, in squeezed in off the uh, the far post. And then 
And then the winner, touch out of his feet, bang, chaos all around him in the penalty box. The referee had lost a bit of control. Uh, grappling and wrestling going on all over the place, people on the floor, but Connor Chaplin keeps his head touch and bang, slammed high into high into the roof of the net. And um, at that stage, Ipswich had just started to, to turn it up a gear a little bit. Um, mm. There'd been a really nice Wes Burns run up the right, a trademark Wes, Wes Burns run that we've not seen as much this season, but twice he did the old push it one side and run the other trick um, two times in a row that really got the crowd off their feet and that sort of lifted in turn, lifted the players and, and the, the winner came moments later. And um, in terms of, we, we talk about the, obviously the action on the pitch there, I, I, it was remiss of me actually not to mention before the game, before we started talking about the game, just how cold was it at Portman Road? Because you're you're exposed to the elements up there and obviously you've got to be able to use your fingers to type and whatnot. So uh, was this um, up there in terms of coldest games? Uh, it wasn't too bad. Where we are at, right at the top of the stand, we're fairly sort of uh, sheltered from from things as well. I've, I've been there's. I wouldn't have wanted to be at Oldham on a on a game like this. It's the ones or, or Colchester where the all the corners are exposed and the winds winds whipping through. But um, yeah, it was cold. Although, like talking of conditions, with the game kicking off early, the sun was very much in. Christian Walton's yeah. eyes and, and the fans behind that goal in the first half. And that, that was a real issue, actually. And it may have played a part in in the equaliser with the ball coming into the box. Of the, you know, there was a free kick from Clark Harris after that as well, which I think mm-hmm. Walton lost a little bit, 30 yards out. And he was sort of scrambling, ball hit the top of the bar and Walton collided with the post. I think he lost the flight of it as well. A few people saying, well, why wasn't he wearing a cap? When we talk about sort of McKenna and Ipswich leaving no stone uncovered and things like that, you'd you'd have thought that was that was quite a simple thing that that the goalkeeper should have been wearing a cap in the first half. Should Ipswich have broken with tradition? I don't know how the toss went and what the decision was there, but to to switch ends, I know they like to attack the north stand um, generally in the second half, but maybe maybe given the conditions, that might have been something that they should have considered on on this occasion. But um, yeah, th- thankfully that that goal against um, didn't didn't mean didn't count for anything in the end. But that is that is the little Achilles heel of um, high balls into the box striking again. Well, yeah, shall we talk about that then? That yeah. was on my on my list of things to talk about in terms of things to be slightly concerned about. I know you mentioned it in your in your post game stuff as well. That that is definitely an issue for town, though, isn't it? Those high balls into the box they they continually seem to be struggling from those. Yeah, McKenna talked about it. I think after the Charlton game, where he, they conceded twice at, at Port Vale, mm. and they go and concede four times at Charlton. A, a major theme of those was just big high balls to the back post that Ipswich haven't defended particularly well. And he said, "There's no doubt now that people are going to target us on that." Um, speaking to the guys that cover Peterborough week in week out, he said that they don't score hardly any from set pieces. They don't tend to threaten from them, mm. um, but. They threatened Ipswich from set pieces. I mean, overall, I was really disappointed with Peterborough. You can see why they're a team out of form at the moment. So much noise around them as a football club. With, I don't think it's particularly helpful. Their owner, <laughs> um, when you've got an owner who has a hard truth podcast and I'm yeah. speaking straight facts, that's all fine when things are going well. But when you're in a spot like this at the moment, Grant McCann was asked about that after the match and gave a classic sort of politician's non-answer to it. But... I'm sure privately he's not very happy, sort of with it with his with his owner talking like that. And um, 
but yeah, I mean, Peterborough weren't great in open play and they were disappointing and Ipswich deserved to win the game. But from set pieces, Ipswich did have a few wobbles in this game. They conceded from one, which was a short corner, switched off a little bit at. Wes Burns loses his man at the far post. Walton loses the flight at the ball. And there were were several other occasions in the second half where um, I think Ronnie Edwards sent a header wide from a free kick delivery. Clark Harris um, forced a save out of Walton as well. So a little bit nervy. I thought the only way Ipswich were going to throw this away was if they lost their discipline and gave away too many free kicks, which started to happen at spells, um, especially when Mason Clark came on as a sub for Peterborough down the left and he was causing a few problems to, to Vincent Young. And I thought if, if they keep winning free kicks that eventually Ipswich might buckle under one of those. But but thankfully they, they didn't. They held firm and they saw it out. Can you look at those issues, you and say, well... That's that's what's causing the problem. What is there something obvious from these kind of issues? Are they are they struggling to pick men up, or is it what is there kind of a common theme with with? Um, I don't know. Um, you look at the the personnel in general. Um, I think Burns probably lost his his man there, but beyond Cameron Burgess, you wouldn't say you've got any sort of aerial specialists within mm. that within that back line. I think losing someone like Lee Evans from, from the side is someone who would get his head on on quite a lot of things. Suddenly Cameron Humphreys isn't isn't that player in terms of um his qualities. Um you know, sometimes you have a striker in the team that's a bit of a target man type. But I remember Daryl Murphy is for all his goals, he'd be the one that was the magnet defending corners at the other end, but Jackson isn't that, Ladapo isn't that. So I just think they're lacking maybe a little, not necessarily just height, because as we've said with, with Chaplin, you can you don't have to be the tallest, but you can be good in the air. I'd put Leif Davis in that bracket. He's not huge, but he's got a great leap on him and he's um, he can head the ball. But others, are, you know, Wolfenden's got better at it aerially, but I wouldn't say it's his forte. I just think maybe they're lacking personnel-wise, just that the balance there in terms of sort of winning winning aerial duels isn't, isn't perhaps... Um, quite balanced in, in this team at the moment. Okay. Um, shall we continue with this kind of things to maybe be slightly concerned about in a classic shit sandwich style managerial chat? Good news, bad news, good news. Let's let's continue with bad news. Janoy Dinassian went down injured early in this game um, and KBY obviously came on to replace him. Th- thoughts? Is there any update on Janoy? I haven't, I haven't seen. No, not yet. Um, that was an odd one. He seemed to just sort of he kind of pulled up quite sharply when playing a sort of a pass in very early on in the first few minutes and then was limping quite heavily afterwards. Um, McKenna sort of said he rocked his ankle and I think, it, you know, it's a bit like for anyone who's played golf and you catch the ball slightly wrong on a cold day and you feel you feel it sort of jar all the way up your arms and it's just really sort of stings. I think the cold conditions meant that he just sort of yeah, didn't make a sweet connection with the ball and just jarred his ankle. And you were thinking he's got to come off here because he kept trying to play on and kept going down. And eventually, after about five plus minutes of him messing about trying to carry on, they they opted to take him off and, and came Vincent Young came on. I mean, the delay might have been, again, on a really cold day. You don't want a sub charging straight on the pitch. Um, he's mm. done his warm-up, then he's had 10 minutes of sort of sitting on the bench. So maybe they were just waiting until Kane Vincent Young was sort of fully warmed up and, and ready to come on. But, um, yeah, ho- hopefully that's nothing too serious on on the Donassian front from from what they've said so far. 
And obviously they've got a, a very bad replacement anyway in KBY, haven't they? Um, and in terms of other things, notes to talk about, maybe on a, a negative note, referee, penalty shout. Yeah, I'm putting going to put something together, I think, today on sort of uh, Ipswich and referees this season. It seems like every game we talk about win, lose or draw, we seem to talk about the, the referee and the standard of refereeing. Um, Ipswich have had one penalty at home this season, which Caden Jackson didn't didn't convert against Derby. I think they've had three against Bolton on the opening day, two against Portsmouth. Um talked about the wrestling in in the penalty box there was certainly one incident with with Caden Jackson where our photographer Steve Wallace captured it his shirt is twisted so far around you can't see the name and number on the back of his shirt um they're hard for referees to spot of course without VAR at this level and everything um I get that but you know there was the one the other week the Fleetwood game I think where McKenna talked about it being a rugby tackle from behind and on Burgess in the box Jackson getting wiped out from behind um, after that Fleetwood equaliser. I go right back early in the season where Kane Vincent Young just had his legs taken away from him um, at Shrewsbury. That kind of gets forgotten about because Ipswich go on to win the game comfortably. You've got the Marcus Harness disallowed goal against Barnsley, the, the ridiculous Kyle Edwards sending off at Cambridge. That So many bad decisions kind of racking up against Ipswich at the moment. And McKenna as he always does, is choosing his words quite carefully on this. But he talks about, look, I'm not saying home teams should get more decisions just because they're the home teams. But I think he talks about the law of averages. And if you're one of the bigger teams, better teams, top of the table teams in a division, and you dominate possession in most games, and you have so many touches of the ball in the opposition half, in the opposition box, etc., etc., the law of averages says you should have more penalties for you than against you in that scenario. So for it to be 3-1 against in terms of penalties at Portman Road, something's not quite right there is kind of what, what he's inferring to. And um, I would I would make him right on that front. I think um, the talk about things evening themselves up over the course of the season, Ipswich have, uh, should hopefully have plenty of credit in in the bank if, uh, if you believe in that sort of thing going into the second half of the season. Hmm. I should mention, obviously, Town did have the ball in the net for a third goal, Freddie Ladapo. Um, but but no beef there. That that was offside. Wasn't I haven't it? I haven't seen it back, but I don't think there's any major. Um, I don't think there's any major uh, appeals against that one. But I'll have to, I'll have to look at that one back. But look, I, anyone who's listened to this knows that I find talking about referees quite boring. And you, I think you you just have to focus on your own self and not blame referees. Um, but there is a mounting body of evidence now of, of um, not just sort of 50-50 ones going against mm. it, which ones that I think most people would look back on and, and think they've uh, they've been denied a few stonewallers along the way now. Okay, let's finish strong then, Stu. That's the um, the unpleasant stuff in the middle of this positive sandwich. Um, I've got two more notes on the positive front, which I'll mention, and you can either take them or run with them or you can bring in your own. I've got Clark Harris going into this game, clearly a big concern. League One's top scorer. Kept him nice and quiet. I know he hit the bar with a free kick. And also town scoring from set pieces, which is a, a rather pleasant thing to be happening. Um, so either of those you want to talk about? Anything else you want to bring in from a, a nice and positive finish yeah, for the game? The, the goals from set pieces, we talked about the one conceded, but that's a remarkable turnaround, isn't it? You go back mm. to 
Um, back end of last season when Kieran McKenna was asked about the lack of goals from set pieces, I don't think they scored a single one in his first 20-odd games as, as manager. And he was asked about it at one of those fans' forums and, and um, very analytically spoke about the percentage of goals that teams score from League One. And you have to be, you know, 25% of goals roughly come from set pieces and um, you cannot get promoted with our record on set pieces. We had fans sarcastically chanting, we're going to score from a corner whenever whenever Ipswich got one. There was such a lack of belief about them scoring. And in the space of a few months, in the space of a pre-season working on it, Ipswich are now the top goal scorers, I believe, from set pieces in the division. So um, that just shows you that McKenna can identify an issue and rectify it in pretty short space of time. So... Um, yeah, that's that's a major boost. I think um, I think that's been something that held Ipswich back. McKenna talked in that interview recently that he did for Sky Bet on on YouTube that we've we've transcribed a lot of. If people want to read it or if they want to go back and watch it, but he talked about um, he talked about this sort of the importance of, of set pieces and stuff in in there, um, and that uh, you know they have to improve at those. So. Um, yeah, that was that. That's uh, you know, for that to keep happening, is really good. Anything else in positivity wise? I mentioned Clark Harris there. He was clearly a, a big talking point in terms of having to stop him going in, and he was he was pretty quiet, wasn't he? They kept him pretty quiet. Yeah, as I say, I don't think Peterborough really did a huge amount from from open play. Um, I don't know what's going on with them. They look a shadow of their their former selves. I looked at them in pre-season and thought they'd kept their best players. Ronnie Edwards, teenage centre-half that's got a lot of hype surrounding him. Jack Taylor in midfield, who Ipswich were linked with, along with with some championship clubs as well. Clark Harris, of course, keeping him. And, um, you know, for a team that's always been competing at the top end of, of League One and has had some promotions... From this division, I thought they would be bang up there, but um, really weird up and down season for them. And um, yeah, Clark Clark Harris just didn't have anything to feed off of in this game at all, really. So if you watch this game in isolation, you probably wouldn't be saying, well, Johnson, Clark Harris, Ipswich have to go out and sign him. He's the answer Mm. to, you know, the Marcus Stewart type. January signing that's going to really get them over the line, but I wouldn't judge him on this match at all. I don't think he had a great a great deal to work off of, to to be quite honest. I don't think it can. Well, I know we talked about McAnthony's um, comments. That that cannot be helpful. I mean, fair enough, it comes from the manager. That's different. But if it's your chairman calling the players spoiled and we need to show some balls and that kind of stuff, that uh, you know, I think about how I would take that as a player. That would annoy me something chronic. I'm not sure it would have the desired effect. Well, it's kind of undermi- undermining his his manager a little bit, isn't yeah. it? He then has to go and speak to the players and he was talking about, you know, um, Grant Grant's not under pressure, but I, I would question him. Yeah. So you've, got a, you've got a fan base that have kind of dubbed the manager one plan McCann because he only plays with one system, etc. Mm. Then you've got the chairman sort of saying, well, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting different results and basically sort of backing the fans and saying that the manager needs to try something different. The manager then gets asked about that, building up to the game and says, look, I'm not going to listen to social media. I'm not going to pick my system based on what Joe Bloggs says down the street. 
Mm. And then the game rolls around and yeah. he changes the system. And you think, is he being true to himself? Is he doing what he thinks is the right thing to do? Or is he is he being influenced by pressure from above, within? Um, yeah, it all feels a bit sort of messy. And Grant McCann, we were straining to hear him in his post-match press conference. He was quiet as a mouse in terms of the way he was talking. He looked... Um, like a man that's got a bit of pressure on his shoulders at, at the moment. We came away from the ground wondering whether it might have been a with England playing that night a good way to sort of bury a managerial sacking mm. in amongst all of that. Um, yeah, it's hard to see sort of um, look, Peterborough have got some good players and they might change, turn their season around at the moment. But um, at the moment, they don't look in a particularly good place at all. No, I think you've got a chairman there. He kind of wants to be a bit of a celebrity, haven't you? And uh Although that that would be great from a, a media point of view. I mean, if we if we had the same thing here, it would be endlessly making copy. It would be great and also terrible because you'd be waking up and seeing what he'd done on Twitter in the middle of the night and stuff. Um, but yeah, maybe not the best dynamic for for a side hopefully pushing for promotion. We'll see how that all pans out, Stu. Um, anything else from the game before we move on? Just that obviously then you get the extra positivity of the results later in the day with with Plymouth. Mm. Held 0-0 at Cambridge. Sheffield Wednesday held 1-1 at Exeter. Um, Ipswich go top, which I don't care what anyone says is, you know, in terms of early in the season, it doesn't mean anything. It, do, it does feel a bit, little bit different when you sit in top of the table. Um, maybe it will put a bit more extra pressure on Ipswich. But um, and we've been here before, of course, haven't we, with Ipswich being top at this stage of seasons and, and not finishing in the top two. Long, long way to go, but... I just think in the context of the previous home results and the, everything we've just discussed about Peterborough, that was a, that was a really big, important win and showed a lot about the character of this this Ipswich Town squad, especially with the with the injuries and everything at the moment. Um, the whole narrative could have been a lot more negative today had they not been able to to get a win and a few doubts starting to creep in. That you know, as as we keep saying, all the false dawns and disappointments. There's always that little devil on the shoulder with with being an Ipswich Town fan, thinking, "Oh, it's mm. Ipswich. We're gonna, you know, we can't have nice things. Of course, we'll mess it up. That's so Ipswich. That's so typically Ipswich." And despite all of the evidence being against that in terms of the consistency of this side, that that little voice is always still there. So. What they've been great at is nipping that in the bud this season. You look at every, not bad performance, but every frustrating result has always been followed up by a good one, by and large. So um, they keep ticking along nicely at this two-point-a-game average, and, and that's all you can ask for. Mm. Finally then, Stu, moving on from the game, how just how happy was Hutchie in the conditions on Saturday? He must have been like a, a pig in the proverbial poo, because that is very much his sort of uh, his sort of weather environment he'd like to be in. Uh, yeah, no hat required for him because he's got his, <laughs> yeah. his thick, luscious hair, which I think is looking more and more like the Declan Rice as time goes on. Yeah, it's on. getting it's there. Keep, yep. It's keeping it nice and short on the sides, but letting it get quite... So uh, I'm saying it's a footballer's haircut. It's a cool haircut he's got. Yeah. Now, Whether he says so or not, yeah. that's definitely the way it's going. Yeah, and he'll say it's not. He'll say he's not aiming for that, but he is. Yeah, of course he is. And th- this yeah. is a man who, do you remember, in, maybe in the early days of this podcast, it was a thing that he kept saying that he doesn't own a coat. Yep, which we thought was ridiculous. He does own a coat. I think he owns two coats now, and he wore them both at the weekend. <laughs> he claims one is an like an under. It's all part of the same coat, and one a bit base coat that, yeah. that zips into the bigger coat. But for for no coat, Hutchie is now wearing two coats. So um, maybe not the ice man he says he is. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he's he's changed, man. Right then, let's move on from the game. Um, there's something else we have to talk about before we finish with a bit of mailbag, which we didn't have. 
Obviously, there was no pod last week, so we couldn't do the mailbag. Um, Liam Manning out the door at MK Dons in terms of other things happening in League One. Hugely successful first season there um, and went into the season. Yes, they lost loads of key players, but you still expect them maybe to mount a bit of a promotion push. It's just gone terribly there. And he's out mm. along with various other former town players and, and coaches. Yeah, it just shows you the importance of, of picking that first job well. And I guess on the face of it, that looked like a really sort of progressive football club, the style of play that he could aligned with his own. Mm. Um, but you could tell very early on when Ipswich beat them at Portman Road that there was some trouble brewing there, that they'd lost just too many of their their big players, Scott, Scott Twine at the head of them, but but others, plenty of others as well, Kasumu in midfield and... Um, I can still vividly see David Wright, who was part of the coaching staff there up in, in the gantry where the press box is doing the sort of the video analysis, kind of demonstrably showing his frustrations that day, uh, sl slamming his fist on the desk and throwing his arms up in sort of despair. And I, they knew, they knew that they had a task on their hands in terms mm. of how much that the quality of that squad had been watered down. So, um, I like Liam Manning as a, as a character from my, my brief interactions with him and I, and I hope that he can sort of get back in and now he's that sort of young coach who's really got to pick his his second job quite carefully, I would I would say, from here. Mm. But um, yeah, had a lot of things going against him, I think, Liam, after, after the summer transfer window that they had. Mm. Yeah, let's hope he, he gets back into the game soon because he's very much the coach in the kind of McKenna mould, isn't he? Kind of young, thoughtful, analytical, progressive, intellectual, all those kind of things. So. Yeah, you would have thought a few years ago that that sort of that could be a bit of a death knell for for a young coach like that, or it would certainly knock them back quite a bit in terms of where where they would go next. But I think there's such a um, there's such a trend towards these sort of young British managers and stuff like that that hopefully he's kind of got enough credit in the bank in terms of his pathway to to getting to this point and what he did with them last season that this won't sort of be won't put people off certainly at this at this level um mm. going going for him as and when some some good vacancies come but yeah as i say he'll have to pick pick quite wisely and make sure that he doesn't have sort of two i always think about someone like michael appleton that seemed to just keep picking poison chalice after poison mm. chalice going to clubs like blackpool and blackburn where there was all all manner of off-field stuff portsmouth in there um yeah um be interesting to see where liam liam rocks up next Absolutely. David Wright and Chris Hogg also out the door there with him. So mm. um, they'll probably come as a, as a team. We'll see where they land next. Right, Stu, should we do some mailbag? Last week, last Thursday, we were all set to do a, a podcast. Had to be cancelled due to sickness in the squad. Late fitness tests failed. And also town moved their press press conference forward by day, which um, basically all amounted up to mean that we, we, we couldn't do a pod last Thursday. Apologies, friends. But we did get some mailbag questions in. Um, so we'll do those now, as I promised. And we're going to start with a couple of video questions to you which is what we really want now for mailbag all you have to do film yourself in landscape on your phone and then just email it through to me mark.heath at newsquest newsquest it is now.co.uk what a fine company newsquest are as well so i just like to say um in case this this is being monitored excellent um yeah mark.heath at newsquest.co.uk you may have to we transfer it if it's a long one but it's dead simple and then we can do this with them so first up is itfc jenks also known as paul Hi Kings, ITFC Jenks here. If each of you could pick one upgrade to Portman Road, what would it be? 
There we go then, Stu. Very, very um, impressed to see ITSC Jenks there using the High Kings um, opening address, which is what we want. Um, clearly, that's how we should be addressed. And I'm after the wife to do that now as well. Um, yeah, mine won't go with that. <laughs> Hello, King, when she walks in from work every day. They just, they just do not appreciate us, Stu. They don't know what they've got living in the house with them, do they? What, what do you want for dinner, King? Exactly. Just, exactly. Come on, everyone else is using it. Yeah. Just get on board. Show your phones, Stu. Point at the 17K Twitter followers and go, look, I've got more followers than some, some countries. Maybe we should get a little crown to walk around the house wearing as well. <laughs> I'd like that, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how long I'd stay married for in that scenario. Anyway, um, Paul wants to know, Stu, if you could have any upgrade at Portman Road, what, what would you like it to be? We're expecting, in terms of upgrades, a, a new pitch, obviously, this uh, this coming summer, which will be nice. A, a modern Deso pitch, yeah, which uh, sounds exciting. Um, what upgrades do you fancy? Not interested in pitch upgrades, big screens, uh, anything kind of functional that's required yeah. like that. I want something that's going to help me personally. Yeah, now you're quite right. When, when you're a kid and you had to like design your dream houses and dream bedrooms and stuff like that, yeah, you'd always go for something like a bit like Wallace and Gromit. We talk about all little gizmos and gadgets and fun stuff. Um, I want I want a massive, and I would always go to a big slide. That's always a go-to for me. Press boxes up high, lots of steps to get up there. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a bit short of time to get right down to the press room yeah. um, to interview Kieran McKenna afterwards. So can I have like a personal slide? I'll press a little button on my desk, maybe what, just, some secret just... doors open, but yeah, yeah, and my seat just immediately, you know, like sort of some sort of James Bondy thing, you know the vibe I'm going for. And Absolutely. down I go in the little spiral slide, bang, and I'm straight there. Yeah, uh, down in the press room below, or maybe a fireman's pole as well. I'd, I'd go for that if they can kind of make it a line. I can't quite work out whether I'd be directly above or not, but um, yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? I like that. The direct route for Watson, just literally, you press a button, the floor opens up beneath you, and you just slide your way smoothly down into your seat for the presser. Post game presser, I like that very much. Um, in in terms of in terms of me, uh, improvements at Portman Road, I quite like. I know we've got a big screen now, but it's. It's fairly small by big screen standards. I'd like a a really big F off. A jumbo mega I don't know if you've seen in SoFi Stadium in LA, they've got literally like a it's a, a full circle screen that runs right the way around the stadium. And you can see it from pretty much every seat. And it, not only has it got highlights and stuff, it's got the stats and all that kind of stuff going on. It's it is incredible. Um no doubt in the future that's that's what we'll be having at Portman Road with the American influence. Um they've got the cash surely. So Probably when Tanner in the Premier League will have something like that. I quite like a roof as well, Stu. Um, yeah. yeah, why not? Just close Retractable. it. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, that means, you know, we don't have to get wet uh, if it's raining. Uh, and also, it means you could definitely, it would it would improve the, the marketability. Well, yeah, acoustics, but also the marketability of the stadium because you could hold, other than football, you could hold other events there, concerts, fights, Fabio Wardley, for example. Um, which you can't generally, it's a bit of a risk in the UK, isn't it? Having an outdoor event at a stadium, because even in the summer, you can't predict the weather. But if you haven't got a roof on it, mm. no problem. It's definitely going to happen. Um, so that's what I'd go with. I should mention, by the way, Stu, Fabio was there Saturday, wasn't he? Giving it some, he, he tagged me in something on social media, with, which was just a picture of him with his arms out with the two belts. Oh, he, he was he was giving it the big one. He came yeah. out with some serious boxer swag when he nice. came out at half time. He was in the, he was in the, I think it was quite a long, a long coat. <laughs> With uh, with both belts on his shoulder and yeah. his entrance music playing, what I assume is his entrance music. Yeah, he um, 
he was giving it full beans. Exactly how he should be doing as well. Fantastic. Great to see Fabio there with his two belts. Um, I think right he then. gave it a bit to the Peterborough fans as well. Yeah, which I, I, enjoyed. Think, I think that's what you were saying. Yeah. Uh, right then. So I'm going roof and massive screen. Stu's going for a personal slide or yeah. maybe fi- fireman's or, pole. Or, yeah, apart from that, also another little bugbear of mine is this happens at a lot of grounds and it happens at Ipswich as well. You've got your, your clock next to the scoreboard, which yep. we obviously, you know, uh, have to use quite a bit to refer to. to to when things happen within a football match. Whenever corners happen, they always put an advert up ahead of it or a substitute happens, an advert always covers it. So a substitution happens, right, what minute did that happen? It's covered. Just keep the clock separate to the adverts, please, okay? I think what we really need to do, I think what we're saying here is you need a a vast upgrade on your personal press kind of scenario. You want one of those super kind of seating areas, don't you? We've got multiple screens and everything's in front of you. Touch screen stuff. And then you've got your slide to get down to presser as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe three times a game, can I also have a button where I can press and it relays to the referee that I'm actually getting a little bit behind with my writing. <laughs> can he just pause the action yeah. until I've got up to date with my live blog and my match report and everything like that? And this then, right, all... okay, Stu and Andy are sorted now. Please continue. That's entirely. Feed- I mean, they have TV timeouts, don't they? In in mm. in other sports. So let's have a Watson timeout. And if it's- people boo, and if people are not happy with it, I'll point to my crown. <laughs> exactly. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Right. Good question, Paul. Next question is from our old friend Bono. View from the U two and any other nicknames. Um, he's got quite a few of them. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Bono. Hope you're doing well. Here's a bit of a topical one for you. If you had an Ipswich Town themed Christmas tree. Which player, past or present, would be the star slash angel on the top of that Christmas tree? And tell me your reasons why. Um, so, yeah, thanks a lot. It's a beautiful day. He's a good-looking bastard, that Bono, isn't he? Uh, I'm not sure we should have him on video-wise anymore. It's not good for my ego, um, seeing that that good-looking man ask me a question. Um, anyway, Stu, the question was, who are you sticking on top of your tree? Uh, I assume your tree's up. It is up, in fact. You told us it was. Um, so, town player, past or present, you're having atop the Watson Christmas tree. And why? Well, uh, I've, I've got I've got some thoughts. It's not actually a past or present player. It's a manager. Me. I want Roy Keane on the top. Just because I think it'd be hilarious to have Roy Keane stuck on the top of a Christmas tree. He's got the big beard, so it's quite festive. Um so that's why I'm going. Roy Keane, right on the top of my Christmas tree. Also, hopefully, we can work out a way to get some Keenisms. Would you give him a white beard or a well, grey beard of... to make Santify him? It's Absolutely, kind of getting yeah. There, isn't he's it? getting yeah. there anyway. So I'm sure Roy Keane is is literally the embodiment of Christmas. Um, and then when Father Christmas um, comes on Christmas Eve to deliver the presents, he can he can berate him. Yeah, um, <laughs> delivering presents. Well done. That's your job. Exactly. Yeah. Kino just criticising everything around Christmas in the in the Heath household and two footing Santa when he comes to deliver. <laughs> Standing over him, Harland style. Anyway, um, that that's my reasoning. Roy Keane would be atop my Christmas tree. Um, how about you, Stu? Have there any any uh, players or managers uh, you would like on top of there? What is on top of the t- Watson? Christmas tree, by the way. Just just a star. My, just a star. I have no creative control over our Christmas tree. I get it okay. down from the loft. We have got a fake one. I, I assemble it. Um I'm allowed to I'm allowed to sort of put all the wiry yeah. bits of tree out and then then I step back and uh let the magic happen. Okay. Um 
Otherwise, I'll put them all too much in a cluster together. Yeah, the color, the color uh, scheme will be all wrong. So I feel, I feel, fine, I feel I'm, I'm sure a lot of guys listening to this, without being stereotypical, can relate to that. I'm exactly the same. I, I get the tree down, we put it up, we fluff out the branches, uh, and then I am basically told to step back, or indeed mm. instructed where to hang the baubles, um, and what color scheme we're going with. So yeah, but what would you? Uh, who would you put on the top? Well. The nativity and and the, the Christmas the Christmas story is all about three kings, isn't it? So can we not <laughs> forget about Ipswich players and Ipswich managers? Yeah, more king action, please. This is a lot of king chat in this podcast. Can it? Yeah. Be, we'd have to pick three of us. Yeah, um, well, obviously that would be. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, Ross, Mike, <laughs> and um, and yourself. Yeah, I have to say you because you're because you're the boss. Um, but yeah, or maybe we could rotate them each day. I'll have five kings, and then each day I'll just decide which three of our little faces are at the top like, of the tree. I like, I like I like this from Watson today. Often modest and humble. Today you're going you're going full beans. Yeah, yeah. I I am the king. I should be a top of Christmas tree. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. My wife come home later. And she's like, Why is your face at the top of the tree? I'd love that. Let's do that. That'd make good content. Right then, we've got a few more questions via the, the traditional way, which you can still ask uh, on Twitter. Um, where should we go? Uh, let's let's stick with this one, Stu. Mark Beck, our old friend from the KOA fan social posse. Um, you've got to pick three football managers, past or present, to take on a night out. What are you planning? Who are you bringing along for the ride? And how messy is it getting? Now, you've got good insight on this because you have worked alongside and with football managers through your mm. lengthy and impressive career so far um uh, who of those if any would mm. you be having on a, on a night out i've got some very definite must-haves on my night out um you got any thoughts lengthy and impressive more me- medium term and and mildly mildly <laughs> interesting um <laughs> oh, right so if i've got three i want some variety yeah um what is it? Where are we taking them again? What's it's, in, it's entirely up to you. It's your night out, mate. So Mark it's just a night out. Who, okay. Who are they? What are you doing? And and how messy is right, it? Right. I want get? I want a fun one. Yeah. I want a I want a good wingman, and I want to send. A, I might want someone who's got a bit of muscle as well. Might back me up if things get. So I want a fun one that's going to get things a bit messy. Yeah. And if things get a bit messy and out of control, I need a bit of muscle. I need a hard man that might get me out of trouble. Okay. Um. And then I might need a sensible one that can, you know, put me to bed if things are getting a bit out of control. You've had enough now, right? Nothing yeah. good's going to happen after two o'clock, Stu. It's time yeah. for bed, right? So yeah. that that last, right? Let me go through these in order. Uh, fun one. If you've listened to the Peter Crouch podcast, they talk. They've they approached this subject before, and the name Avron Grant comes up a lot. Okay. Few drinks, things get a bit messy. So he might be a contender, right, for that role. But I reckon, if we're keeping it on an Ipswich theme, I think George Burley still would be quite good fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've heard quite a few stories about George. Yeah, he would. He would. Um, he'd get involved with the players back in the day when there was a night out. So we could we could throw George in there to make it a bit Ipswich themed. Um, Right, if we're gonna have a hard man, I'll have Patrick Vieira in there as well. Ooh, no one's yeah. gonna mess. No one's messing with us. I reckon Patrick. We send him up to the bar. He's gonna get served first. <laughs> he's gonna get us out of jail if things get a bit bit silly. Yeah. Um, 
And then and it's got to be Gareth Southgate. It's going to be the, the sensible one that will just come on. Right, we've all got work in the morning. Okay, yeah, drink, let's go, let's drink go this home water, to bed. Drink now. this water, Stu. Make yeah. sure you hydrate, yeah? You don't want too much of a hangover. Just have this, yeah? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, your night out is, is Gareth Southgate, George Burley yeah. and Patrick Vieira. Yeah. And what, what are you doing? <laughs> We're getting on it. Just getting on it? Yeah, yeah. Just going straight to the first pub and, and seeing what happens. Yeah, exactly that. Uh Exactly that. Yeah, eating's cheating. We're not messing about with a meal. We're going straight to. We're, we're probably starting sort of as an afternoon session. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sitting in a little old fashioned, little old fashioned boozer. Put the worlds to right. Can hear a few stories off 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 the lads, and then uh, we'll see where the night takes us. Okay, that sounds good. I'd like to be along on that one. Um, my night would be. You're not right. invited. Sorry. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> my night would be would be Brian Clough, definitely. He'd be there. He'd be he'd be good fun, um, and also have a shitload of stories to tell. He'd definitely be there, Brian Clough. Then I'm taking, and, I, and I, it's just kind of a shame that Hutchie's not here because I'm taking Paolo Di Canio um, along with with me on my night. And then the third one, I don't know. I, I, I suppose it's too cliche, but I, I'd probably I'd probably want Harry Redknapp along as well. Again, just for the kind of entertainment stories and how many drinks would you get bought if you were on a night out with with Harry Redknapp? Um, that would be my night. And I, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're going to one of those axe throwing places, first of all. That's where we're going. You know, we chuck axes at boards. Then we're doing a bit of uh, indoor golf. Um, and then we then just like you, we're going to the, the nearest pub um, and seeing what happens. So uh, that would be mine. Cluffy, Decanio, Harry Redknapp. What a night that would be. Um, I'm not sure about the Canio throwing axes if anyone's pissed him off, but there we go. Um, right then, Ian Wallbank wants to know, I'm not keeping on the Christmas theme, Stewie. If the Kings did Secret Santa with a 20 pound limit, what are you all buying for each other? Nothing, <laughs> getting anything from me. <laughs> oh, that's very miserly of you, friend. Um, okay, uh, here's what I'm doing 20 pounds. If I've got 20 pounds to spend. Uh, on each of you see the temptation would be to buy Hutchie something shirt related wouldn't it but I'd be worried that I don't have enough knowledge of uh, haven't got enough shirt. money either We he took us to that um, retro shirt place yeah. up in Manchester we went out there wow seriously rinsing you on some of those I mean you you need a ton just to get into entry level for, for retro stuff like that what was, what was the shirt that Mike was slightly obsessed with like a really unlikely was it a Wolves, Wolves shirt I seem to remember, remember. That... it was it was something odd. No, it was a it was a Hull shirt with Andy Robertson's name That's on right. the back. Yeah, he yeah. wanted it. He didn't know why, but he wanted it. He wanted it. Um, Roscoe, twenty quid. What am I getting, Roscoe? You might as well just take that twenty quid and just set light to it with Roscoe. Um, in just book of... him another theory test. How much oh, are they? That's a great. Can shout. you get that for twenty? Twenty six pounds. I'll go over though. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll stick six pounds of my money on there um, for that. Uh, Mike. 20 quid, just taking him down the boozer, aren't I? Going down the, the uh, what was it, the Shotley Arms he goes to? Bristol Arms. Bristol Arms, yeah. And for you, Stuart Watson, um, I'm, I might buy you that. I know you're very taken with that old yellow Ipswich Town shirt, aren't you? Um, you've often said. So mm. I, might, I might get you that. But in reality, friends, it, I would say, and I'm actually going to a Christmas do where we've got a secret Santa on Friday. The best thing to do, and what I always say, just give me the money. Give me a crisp £20 note. We'll I'll be quite... just exchange £20 yeah. pound notes. <laughs> I'll be quite happy with that, and that's what I'll be doing. Because ultimately, that's what you want, isn't it? You don't want someone 
getting you some nonsense. Just give me the bloody money. I'll decide what to do with it. How much for um, cigars? I assume you don't get, can't get your, you just, you can get a decent cigar for 20 quid. laugh Absolutely. in my face, wouldn't you, if I got you a 20 pound cigar? No, you can get very good cigars for 20 quid. Not the top Cuban brands anymore, but um, certainly some decent ones. So, yes, that's a good shout, Stu. Buy me a cigar, please. Uh, right then. Uh, Callum Pritchett wants to know, Stu, back to the football. Nice and simple, he says, what are the King's favourite Ipswich Town chants? When I uh, was talking about this in the green room, you said, I've got one. Um, well, only the one that sort of gets stuck in my head after games. I find myself sort of on a on a Sunday morning sometimes just humming along to... Um, We've got Super Kieran McKenna, Wolfie at the back, the Dapo in attack. We're going to win the effing league. <laughs> nice. Right then. Brad Sounds wants... quite catchy. Brad wants to know, McKenna's injury crisis worsens. Please no. To such an extent that he has to offer all five kings a contract to dig us out of a hole. We're very seriously in trouble. Um, mm. But he strangely has no idea where to play you. What position do you play and what can you offer the team? Uh, well, in this scenario... Do you remember years ago, Stu, on a Derby County tip when Dean Holdsworth, um, when Derby were really struggling, Dean Holdsworth, their assistant manager, he'd been retired for three or four years and then suddenly he unretired and was on the bench. Um, that's kind of the scenario we're approaching, although clearly none of us anywhere near the level of Dean Holdsworth. Stu, you're a bit of a baller. Um, you'd be playing at the back, I'm assuming. Uh Yeah. Yeah, I want to play sort of right side of the back three with license for the odd, the odd sort of Sol Campbell esque. Just, just once or twice a game, I'll just go on a ridiculous run. I've gone, yeah. cover me, and off I go. Um, that would be my role, maybe. And then once or twice a game, I'd fling myself into a ridiculous slide tackle from, from far too far out that could result in a crowd on their feet or. Or a red, red card, red card. Yeah. more likely the latter. Um, Hutchie's in goal. Yeah, here, yeah, I've seen Hutchie. Hutchie says he was a, he was a good goalkeeper when he was younger. I've seen him. I've seen him playing goal. He's um, he is quite diminutive for a... undersized for a goalkeeper, yeah. and he will say that that's probably ultimately what held him back. But he's um, he's got cat-like reactions. So he claims. So, yeah, yeah, I've I've seen him play. He's decent, decent keeper. So we'll, we'll get him in goal. Okay. Um. Ross, there's nowhere else other than out on the wing for Ross. He's going to be he's going to be your classic kind of um, up and down winger that will have electric moments, but other moments where he, he'll disappear for for long moments in the game. He's got one trick, Ross, which is where he and he does it. You know it's coming. But you can't necessarily stop it. Where he rolls the he rolls his studs over the top of the ball and moves laterally in there. And uh, yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's his one trick. It's his good trick though. Um, but yeah, he'd be your he'd be a mercurial winger out on not, out on one side. Not a lot of tracking back with Ross in my brief experience. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you're going to get that. Yeah, he's he's very much a luxury player. Bacon, I very much see as the, a midfield general. Um, I see him with his foot on the ball, yelling instructions at people. A guy that doesn't really move outside of the the centre circle, maybe. Um, yeah, but just kicking heels, just, just yeah, trying to ter run terrier like. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, and me, I'm afraid my knees would not allow me to play football anymore. I popped it again at the weekend, Stu, my knee, just walking down a step. Um, that is a stage that my sporting career has reached now as I await my scan for a potential torn meniscus. So I'd, I'd be able to offer nothing, friends, in any way. Um, I wouldn't. If make you it. were fully fit, where where do you want to go? Anywhere, mate. 
<laughs> um, to be fair, I quite like playing in goal. I used to play in goal a bit when I was a kid. Um, well, let's go with two goalies. Yeah, well, yep. I mean, Hutchie's quite small, isn't he? And I'm very average size. So if you stick us together, that's maybe one Christian Walton, um, if need be. So let's go with that. I'm in goal with Hutchie on my shoulders, maybe. Um, final question. Dan wants to know. We've already talked about upgrades at, at Portman Road. Dan wants to know, lots of upgrades going on at Playford Road. If you were designing the ultimate training ground, what feature would you install? A massive slide. <laughs> um, uh, a, a water park, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think all the, the kind of new age stuff down Playford, they've got the cryotherapy and all that kind of stuff. They're getting into those freezers and... Uh, they always used to bring in like a like a cryotherapy truck. Yeah, that would just sort of come come and park in the car park, and they would do that on a Monday. Um, I'm never up there these days, to be honest. Since COVID, we've been doing a lot more stuff over Zoom, so I don't know mm. how much it's changed. But it sounds like McKenna's obviously got a very long wish list of things that um, we had this at Man United. Can we have it here? And I think there's a bit of um, compromise going on, but he wants all, all the drones and all the modern tech and everything like that. In that mm. video that, that I mentioned earlier that, that he did with David Prutton, um, he talked about at Manchester United, um, the manager's office is kind of got, it's on like the apex of the building and it's glass fronted, you know, glass mm. up either side. So you can see the first team pitch to one side and you can see the academy pitch to the other and the, the manager is all seeing at all times. So mm. maybe you'll, uh, maybe you'll want something like that at some stage. Not that I think it will quite work with the, the configuration of the training ground. It could there could be some sort of slide though, couldn't there? Not for McKenna to use, um, yeah, to get to various locations. He has like um, you know, like you have the uh, what they call the airports, the where you sit up high and you see all the what are they called the, uh, the control tower. Control tower. They'll have like <laughs> a control tower up yeah. high that McKenna just sits at the top of and oversees everything. That his managerial yeah. office is at the top of a control tower. Yeah. And then obviously we'll have to build in like a slide, a helter skelter slide for him to uh if he sees something he doesn't like in the middle yeah. of training, he just presses his button and down the helter skelter slide. He just goes. appears he just appears next to the player on the pitch. Yeah. yeah. And and gives him what for. Uh, I'll tell you what the players would like as well, Stu, at the training ground. Nando's. Let's have a Nando's <laughs> at the training grounds. <laughs> it's a matter of time before some English club just look. Let's just cut out the the middle. Exactly. Just get let's one just, installed at the training. Just have grounds. a Nando's here. You we know you're all going to eat it. And to be fair, if you are going to eat stuff like that, junk food, takeaway, whatever, you Nando's is probably right at the top of what you know they want them to be eating in terms of nutrition. So let's have a Nando's at the training ground. Right then, that brings us to the end. I think of. Uh, mailbag yeah i think that's it stewie um so we're coming to the end of the pod now we've done just over an hour i've got to upload this bad boy you've got to go off and write about refereeing decisions in town you've also hopefully got to warm the top of your head how, how is the, the watson dome toasty excellent um anything else to mention before we head off and i do my shambolic outro no other business no other business. Right then, friends, we'll be back later on this week. I won't be, and neither will Stu, to be fair, because we've we've got quite a lot of holiday we've left to take, haven't we, Stu? So uh, we're now in a kind of rotating pattern between all of us, um, which will mean quite a short staff until after Christmas. But um, there we go. It's one of those things. So uh, the boys will be back later on this week. I should mention, Sindre, you sent in a video question, um, which I think was basically just for Hutchie's viewing pleasure. 
So I'll make sure he answers that. He's around on Thursday. Um, so that'll be part of the mailbag section on Thursday. Please support our sponsors. Use the code KOA on, at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Um, I think you've still got time to get a few Christmas gifts in using that. And also, obviously, ginger pickle. Um, if you like your pickle ginger, Google with ginger pickle. Tony Southgate and the boys there. The kings, the goats of digital marketing, if that's, if that's what you're looking for. And also, friends, we've not had a five-star review on iTunes for a little while. So leave us one of those. That'd be great. A little Christmas present from you to us. Always nice to get good feedback. And also helps us visibility-wise in the iTunes charts. Right then, that's been a, a two-man pod today. So I feel I give that a solid eight out of ten, actually, I think, today. Um, you've raised your game in the absence of, of Hutchie. You needed to step up today, and you did. Any reflections? Um, no reflections. Can the king on, can the star on the top of my tree be Keenan Bennett's, please? Okay. Why? No, Ballant Biner. Oh, yes. I'll go for just some sort of, some sort of cult figure from the past. Just no, no, um, explanation needed. Ballant Biner. No Biner, no Christmas. Can you you make that happen for the time that Mrs. Watson returns? I'll make myself a little crown out of some cardboard (laughs) and I'll make a Ballant Biner star. Excellent. That's your work for today, Stu. Thanks for joining us, friends. We'll be back later on this week. Have a great start to the week uh, and we'll speak to you again next time.